Hello, listeners. So it has actually been several months since we recorded. We took off this summer and, uh, you know, we had the episodes ready for you in advance. But we are going to follow up immediately with the last episode's topic, which is whether or not summer camp software is actually evil. Evil. Evil? (laughs) So uh, just a quick follow-up, but then we will be talking about related topics in this episode, which is after summer camp was over, I reached out to the director of said summer camp, and I asked about all the medical stuff and the software and the program and the records and everything. And he said, you know, I've always meant to look into that. Let me look into it for you. Thanks for the prompt. So a little bit later heard back and he said well they have highly rated security certificates or whatever you call these things industry standard security I think industry is standard say. security which sounds good and probably is moderately okay um but anyway what he was particularly pleased with the summer camp director was that um nobody on at the software company could actually get into any of the files so he felt very confident that it wouldn't be exploited by them directly and then he he said within his own organization, only him and his two, you know, his right and left hand are allowed to get access to those files and seem to be satisfied. And a year ago, I probably would have trusted that. But I wrote back and said, I don't distrust you and I don't distrust the company. I just know how much motivation there is out there for hackers to break into that. Can you just delete his file entirely, meaning our son's file entirely. And he went ahead and did it with the uh, slight caution, well, you know, if he comes to camp again, you'll just have to fill out the whole thing again, which is... Which we were quite happy enough to do at this point. Eminently worth it. Although, 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 as we recounted before, um, now that we're filling out forms online, they force you to fill out all kinds of stuff that you've never been have, had to force, uh, never been forced to fill out before. Well, on a, on a paper sheet, they can't force you into anything. Yeah, but uh, we'll get to that in a second. So anyway, just following up, summer camp software might be evil, but at least with this kind of software, we could permanently delete the record. But I know, but know, that, well, is, that is a problem because it, it should not require us to make the effort to ensure that that data is, is safe and only belongs to us. So effect, as soon as we give it over, we are turning it over not only to the camp, but to the third-party software uh, solution to which they subcontract uh, this um, task. So um, we are, are trusting everyone and all of those organizations. And I'm quite sure, actually, that although he said only they had access to those records, what it really means is that only somebody higher up in the third-party organization would have access to the records because I'm sure that they are not um, end-to-end encrypted completely databases. I'm sure they're meeting all of the requirements, but in fact, there's quite a lot of people um, in the chain that would ultimately have access to those things. And there's always a question if deleted things in the cloud are ever actually deleted. That That is a deeper question we'll right. have to save for another time. But as we always reiterate here, assume that anything you type into a field on an internet-connected computer could potentially be public and permanent. Even if you don't hit return, uh, there are some uh, web uh, plugins I've heard of recently that actually are recording you as you type, um, not only when you press enter or complete the form. They actually and take... is that also to steal your password? Oh, they're trying to do all kinds of different things. Right. Okay. Well, we're going to continue in this episode with some medical-related things. Um, we decided just for the fun of it, even though we have told you in previous episodes that we've blown our cover, we're going to continue to refer to each other by the pseudonyms 
Andre and Sarah, or I might still say Mr. because I just think that's kind of funny. And we have also alluded that we do not live in our country of origin and therefore do quite a lot of international travel. And even though our accents probably give us away, we are going to continue to play our game of plausible deniability. Anyway, one of the results of this uh, international lifestyle of ours is that over the summer, we went back to our country of origin and had to get some medical checkups to satisfy our employer. And uh, listeners from the beginning may recall that I wondered at one point, I wonder how many of my medical records from the past are still there. Right. Well, this was an occasion to find out. So I went back to a city that we used to live in that has a network of clinics, and they all use a kind of... um, health or medical software called medical record system yeah called my chart i would imagine this is pretty widespread by now yeah and as i understand it maybe mr you know more about this than i do that one of the actually major problems in providing good health care is how little medical records transfer between different systems or doctors so lots of things can have been like found out by a doctor but like if you move or go to a different doctor there's no way to make sure that those findings actually transfer to the next doctor. Right, and of course, there are all kinds of technical solutions to this genuine uh, problem of the transfer of knowledge. Uh, when we lived in, formerly in a different country... Uh, non-country they, of origin. Not another country, not a country of origin. They had a transferable medical records that were kept in the National Healthcare Database. Um, so I think believe those were quite transparent. Uh, that creates, of course, its own problems because then um, in the system that we have in the United States, which is one of private insurance, the more they know about your health care, the more the insurance can deny you or lift up your rates. And so um, that's a particular problem, uh, unique that particular problem is unique to the American system. But I can also imagine that if you had a standardized care form that absolutely everybody used and it was hacked, or it wouldn't just be like um, insurance companies. Like suppose employers want to find out stuff that they're really not supposed to know about you uh, because that would count con- constitute discrimination in employment. For instance, they might want to know if you're pregnant or if you're if you're a woman or if you're using birth control or you know what are the chances are that you're going to leave the job or take advantage of maternity leave. Like if you have a very standardized form, it makes it that much easier to, you know, hire illicitly a third party to find these things out for you. Yeah, that's but that's a very easy case um where it's a would be or something like uh, legislation could be um, exercised against it. I mean, it's obviously discrimination when that's happened. But there are a lot of more, a lot more subtle ways that disease or um, one's tendencies to require large expenditures from insurance could be ascertained. And big data uh, is trying to do this all the time. And anytime you're entering um, things into medical records, you're potentially entering into that system. Now, in the United States, um, there are very... Which we're just using as an example. <laughs> well, that's where we were this... Uh, well, our country of origin. Um, oh, we are admitting to that now? No, we're not. Um, that is where... <laughs> <laughs> we're so bad at this covert operation we're stuff. We're very bad. <laughs> our, our accents are, are pretty uh, pretty clear anyway. Oh, we could have been Canadians. Eh? Eh? What were we talking about? <laughs> That's the only joke Americans know to make about Canadians. Okay. Uh, in, in, in any case, uh, the more data that's out there, the more that it, there are companies that are trying to use it um, to in order to basically d- decrease the costs uh, or increase the no- amount they can charge in premiums. 
Um, and there are very strict rules in the, in the United States anyway, and I, and I imagine in other countries, uh, about the use of medical records. Uh, there's called HIPAA, uh, which is um, something I don't know what it stands for, but basically very strict rules about uh, in, inappropriate sharing of health data. Mm. Those, uh, those uh, notwithstanding, uh, health care records are one of the prime targets for ransomware, uh, which right now is more than ransomware. It's like revealware. They're not even, <laughs> they're not, uh, they basically say, if you don't pay us the money, we will we'll, we will put up this, uh, all of these records, um, make them all public. And they put them on a, da- in a database and anybody anywhere in the world can just download them. Uh, so that is a real problem for healthcare records at this moment is that they're being ransomed. And then if they don't pay up, then they make, then they make them public. Right. So it was in the context of thinking about this that I had to make an appointment to get a just standard issue physical to satisfy my employer. And um, in the process, they asked me to, you know, set up a MyChart file. And lo and behold, I already had one because it was associated with my email address. So all the stuff that over the years that we have not lived in this area has just been sitting there. So if there had been any any hacking, they could have found stuff out. So I got into it. I had to make some changes. Like I didn't have my old cell phone number anymore and things like that. And I also saw, you know, what I had shared with the doctor before. And, you know, nothing very serious, but, you know, stuff. Health stuff is private. Should be, anyway. So when I was like... In this new light, I was looking at it thinking, you know what? I just don't want that there in case a hacker comes along. You know, it's not anything um, probably that would cause any long-term problems. But just on the principle of the thing, I just decided. So I had the, the right and the ability to go through and delete these things that had been there in the past. And so I just tried to make my record as minimalistic as possible. But then, in order to get the physical, I had to fill in this extremely long questionnaire in advance. And of course, again, why does this happen? Partly because of the way our healthcare system is set up. Doctors don't have that much time with patients. And so instead of actually having to talk to you in person or even have a nurse do it and take down all your information, you just provide it yourself on your own time and the privacy of your own home and put in this record everything that they want to know about you. So what choice did I have? I had to go through and do it. And I knew if I didn't do it in the software, then it would still go into the software with, you know, somebody there recording it. Right. Oh, I just assumed you'd have some, <laughs> some commentary at this point before I went on with my story. No, it, it is, again, the case with these forms is they can force you to fill things in. Now, you don't need to be forthcoming. You can put in garbage if you want to and probably should if you think that's irrelevant. I mean, it's going to cause you trouble later on, but you can just be stubborn with your doctor and say, I'm sorry, I'm just un- uncomfortable with this, and, and he'll just make his own notes and put it in there on his own accord. It's likely, uh, who knows where that goes, but nonetheless, I think these things should be resisted as much as we can. Okay, well, that only works if you have a fill-in-the-blank field and not a drop-down menu or choose among these things. Which is why they try to do that as much as possible. Exactly, exactly. And so this is going to be my example of everybody be on your guard of thinking that like online software solutions are a good thing. I see this going to happen more and more is that software is going to force you to answer things you do not want to answer by using that handy little mandatory field. So this is one of the they things. Have, those mandatory fields have increased over the years, have they, they not? They have, have they? They used yes. to be like 
one or two. Yeah, like, like okay, we need your email address in order to be able to send you something. Yeah, and like if you want to pay, we need your credit card. Right. Okay, fair enough. But yes, these are growing. So this is, you know, so it, it actually my physical uh, questionnaire was nowhere near as exhaustive as the one for her son's summer camp. I mean, like nowhere near as like exhaustive. One tenth. Yeah, probably. I mean, it was you remember it, it was insane how much they asked yes, for summer camp. It was. Anyway. So it was one of these things where it was like multiple pages. So like you finished a page of questions and then clicked save and continue. Okay. So I have, I took a screenshot and I printed it out. I'm going to read you here. This is one of the pages that I had to complete in order to submit my whole questionnaire. It begins with star indicates a required field. Over the past two weeks, how often have you been bothered by any of the following problems? Question one, with a star next to it, little interest or pleasure in doing things. Answer, not at all, several days, more than half the days, nearly every day. Question two, also required, feeling down, depressed, or hopeless. Not at all, several days, more than half the days, nearly every day. Clearly, it's trying to assess your depression level and possibly your risk of more dire things like suicide. And you would think, of course, shouldn't your family doctor be concerned about your psychological help? health okay but but no here's what it actually says right above the questions copyright 1999 pfizer inc all rights reserved used with permission developed by doctors robert l spitzer janet bw williams kurt kronke and colleagues with an educational grant from pfizer inc right so this is data going to pfizer i suppose in order to who knows what I have no choice but to answer psychological psychiatric health questions for a pharmaceutical company, and I cannot proceed with my physical without answering this. I just think this is shocking and appalling, and I bet I am like one of like 10,000 people who notices or cares about this. Well, they got a grant to do a clinical trial of some kind or a clinical study, and they need a certain number of people to be in it in order for it to be statistically significant. And so they, they put it in these things and basically force you to do it. And who knows how much it's correlating with all the other extensive data, biometric data about myself that is on this questionnaire. So, again, you know, I, I probably could have, like, refused to fill in the questionnaire and thrown a bloody fit. This had a lot to do with our timing. I did not have much time left because I put off getting my physical scheduled. So, as usual, you know, I kind of screwed myself. But when I got to the doctor's office, I will say I spoke very strongly and said, I should not be required to answer questions for For a pharmaceutical company. And there's no way for me not to answer them. This is an outrage. And, like, when I put it that way to the person I was speaking to, she was like, oh, my gosh. Yeah, you're right. Like, she actually seemed immediately got the point. But it's like, these sort of things are just slipped under the radar. It's such an ordinary part of life, filling out forms. that And and because so few people really get the aggregation that happens in big data, it just isn't clear. Yeah, and so, I mean, just to bring attention to it once again, by themselves, these points don't necessarily mean much. But what is more and more clear is how easy and how... Uh, normal it is to take personal identifiers and personally identifying information, such as answers to innocuous surveys, aggregate them together, um, put them through um, machine learning algorithms, and to spit out various kinds of predictive results. Um, and that's one of the things that happens. Now, again, this is medical. There are very tight regulations on how it's used. Um, I, I think it would be too cynical to say that the, they're selling this to, um, uh, to Facebook um, and Google, 
But on the other hand, it has been no known uh, in the past few months, uh, it was revealed that a certain medical records websites were in fact using Facebook analytics. And there were things being shared with Facebook about people's healthcare, um, uh, very private things. Um, and of course, everybody says they're anonymized, et cetera, et cetera. But um, that is uh, quite easy to undo uh, with a very few fields that will identify you personally. Not to mention the staggering sums of money involved in antidepressants and other psychiatric oh, yeah. drugs. I mean, even if you take a very Occam's razor, follow the money kind of thing here, this is really alarming. And this is, again, forcing me as just a random body to contribute whatever little percentage to the insane profiteering. So I, we, I, and I'm not saying this because I deny the value of psychiatric drugs, but this this is wrong. So I uh, encourage... Uh, you, our listeners, to resist if you can and give whatever innocuous information they're required of you and to complain to your provider about it. I don't know what we can do uh, to stop it, but there it is. Uh, I think it would be worth asking or saying that you want only paper records. I think if we were living in our country of origin, which we have not revealed in this episode, um, I would talk to finding a way to have my paper records stored in the medical office. I think actually the chances of them being abused are much less there anymore, given yeah, how, I, how easy and what the, the, the numbers involve for yes, yes, I would prefer that as well. Um, I'm skeptical how possible that is anymore. Everybody uses online medical records. Yeah, they might just type in what you wrote. But right, they would put it in their form. But anyway. I think you could probably insist. I mean, but if start, you... start making noises about it. And I think my main takeaway is pay attention to mandatory fields and object to the source if you don't think there are questions you ought to be answering. And go ahead. I'm, I'm fine. People participate in clinical studies, but uh, don't be forced. Don't force well, people to do them. You can opt in, but yes. this didn't give me any choice. Yeah. Well, you could have gone to a different uh, provider. That's dirty. You know, th that just isn't But that's fair. not really true either because, you know, you're in network and... No, because of my insurance, I had to use this particular system. Yeah. Right. Okay. Well, there's one other medical-related thing we wanted to talk about. Was This is yours. Yeah. So going out of the country, um, uh, because, as we said, we do not live, we do not live in our country of origin, and... Um, uh, given the current circumstances, uh, it was still a requirement for us to take a COVID test before we left the country. And so to come back into our country of residence, come back which into I think we have managed not to reveal so far. So we'll just go on with that fiction for so, a while. So we had to have a test. And um, I'm fine. Um, that's not something that we can object to. We just, it's, we're subject to, to, to the rules. And so we took the test. And of course, it's very expensive. Um, and uh, that's itself is a bit of a racket. Um, but uh, these tests, too, like our son's medical form, uh, like um, Zara's, uh, um, uh, her physical form, uh, required lots and lots of information, um, lots of personally identifiable information, including your address, your and especially, in my case, um, passport number. And we presume that this is because you were using it to travel out of the country. Because right. otherwise, who cares? Right. But they don't need to do that. No, they don't. I didn't have to. We got our test separately because we yeah. left on different occasions. Right. And my test was twice as expensive and required far less personally identifying information right. so than I had yours. to give, um, I mean, the most revealing information, of course, my, my, my um, uh, re residence, my address, uh, but also a passport and... They required me to upload a passport photo, um, which I think is against U.S. law <laughs> for anybody but a government entity to request um, uh, to, to store 
a passport photo. Mm. Um, but uh, there it was, and I was there, and I had to leave the next day. And it's not like I could um, object to it. They were they were not going to give me a result unless I filled out all the forms. And so I uploaded one. I uh, and but they but they wrote they wrote me actually called me quickly back and said uh, the photo is, has a glare on it. It's not good enough. And so I had to do it again. But then I said, okay, I've got a secure way of doing this. I'm newly aware of the problems with data leakage. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to I'm not going to send you the photo through leaky email. I am going to generate a link. Um, I'm going to um, make a link with a with a short password, and then I'm going to send the link to the guy and say you can download it here. But I'm not going to email it to you. He's and he wrote back. He said, I'm sorry, this didn't work. Just send it through me an email. <laughs> so I don't really know what happened if he just didn't want to deal with it uh, or if, in fact, it didn't work or if there was some blockages of IPs or whatever on his side that made it difficult. I don't know, but I ended up going, ugh, I've got to go tomorrow. I have to get this thing. I just ended up sending a picture of my passport and an email to somebody, which is like a big, big no-no, because who knows where that's going? Are they, save, are they saving it? Are they putting it in a database? I mean, who knows? They're probably just archiving it or maybe even deleted. I asked him to delete it, mm-hmm. uh, but there it was. Um, so that was a big fail. So, like, I'm just thinking, as you tell us, like, who, it, suppose it's illegal, like, who do you object to? Like, the Chamber of Commerce? I don't know, because as far as I know, it is not. Department? Well, I but every, know, it's like, one of those things that it's illegal, but it's one of those things that people have become so used to. There could be, could be a chance through, uh, um, because of common law, that it becomes legal in the sense mm-hmm. that everybody's doing it. Right. And there's a general appreciation that government identification is not private information anyway. Mm-hmm. Anybody can ask ask you of it. Uh, so um, that was very frustrating, but I did manage one win. And that uh, behind that defeat, I did manage one win, which was um, over the summer I uh, downloaded and used an app called MySudo, uh, which I had heard about among the privacy enthusiasts. And MySudo allows you to set up sudos uh, for to silo different aspects of your life. And so I knew, knowing that we were going to have many medical things to deal with this summer, uh, tests and um as well as these COVID tests, I said, well, I'm going to set up a pseudo for our medical stuff uh, to silo that information so the email addresses, those records can't really be shared. So I created a pseudo for that, and I created a special phone number for that hmm. um, so that all of the information that was being done with regarding our healthcare was done underneath that pseudonym and not connected to our other uh, address. And so then with what you can do with my pseudo, too, is after you're done with it, uh, with whatever activity you're doing or whatever period um, that uh, you were created that pseudo for, you can just burn the pseudo. So you can just sort of say delete and it will delete the email address. It will delete the phone number and you can just start over and that so it no longer exists. Nobody, nobody can any long, nobody can reach you at that number or email any longer. Andre, this sounds like something they would do in the wire. The bad guys, not the good guys. Well, it's simply so that you don't get your name on a bunch of lists and all this data starts to get aggregated about you. Yeah, you start getting uh, flyers from Pfizer to help you with your sad days, right? Right. Okay, well, we will be talking a little bit more about security issues related to um, travel and COVID and the like in a future episode, but I think we'll stop there for now. We have much more to say about security and privacy issues related to travel over yeah, this and, past uh, summer. It, yeah, I definitely raise my hackles and um, uh, I'm ready to be more to fight and be a little more resistant than I was before. That's good. And I guess our takeaway tip this week is 
pay attention to mandatory fields and complain as much as you can about anything you so think, think that ought just, not be asked. Yeah, and just don't comply. Stop complying. Yeah, and well, as much as you can. Yeah, I mean, that's the problem is with the software is that you have no choice but to comply. But you can complain to the real person behind it, and that's probably how change is going to have to start happening. Yeah. All right. Till next time. Till next time.